Hail and well met. Welcome back to another episode of Self-Evident. I am Melissa and I am joined by Jenna. And today is part two of our amazing interview with Dr. Stephen Castle. Today we are going to be discussing 2020 mm-hmm. when COVID happened and the government tried to shut down churches and they succeeded in large part. However, mm-hmm. there was a remnant that said no. And Dr. Castle has an amazing story of how his court proceedings went, how his congregation... And how he was the first pastor to not close his doors during yes. the pandemic. And what effect that had on the rest of the nation. So you are going to want to tune in to this one. We hope you enjoy. 2020, <laughs> what happened? How did your church react? What What did you do as a pastor? How did you lead the charge as a shepherd? So uh, my passion for the real version of of ecclesia has always been filtered into everything I've done in ministry. Beloved Church is now about 12 years old. We're going on 12 years. And from day one, like I wanted a covenant community. I wanted a sacred community of people living together in sacred space and sharing their lives and their hearts. And I was just minding my own business. I mean, I'm, we planted a church in a town of 800 people and we planted it in a funeral home. I mean, talk about, (laughs) talk about not making a splash. We had zero marketing. We had zero, we didn't do any of that stuff. I I did not want to do the world's way of doing stuff. So, and I was recently from Texas and you, if you're a Midwestern person and you find out someone's coming from Texas to come do ministry and start a church, like you are, I was about seven steps down as to why (laughs) there's no way this church was ever going to be successful. I mean, we ripped it, and like a year later, we exploded to like 20. <laughs> it, was, it was embarrassing, but we just knew what was in our heart. Kay and I knew what was in our heart, and if it took us a year to get 20 people together, eight of which were my family, whatever, somebody's listening, uh, we'll just keep going. You're being faithful where God placed we, you. We just, we just plugged away because we just had this image on the inside of us of what it's supposed to look like. So... Um, I'm somebody that, that really believes that, that authentic pe- kingdom people are supposed to be engaged in every part of their society. I, uh, I've been a businessman. Um, I'm an elected official. I, uh, I'm involved in, in economics and government and political matters and education. I was very involved in our kids' schools. I, so I, I really believe that authentic kingdom people are supposed to be involved in all of these different areas of life. Because God said you go and have dominion over all the earth, and that yep. means every sphere of life. And go into all your world yeah. and make disciples. We're supposed to be making disciples in all of these different places of life. We're supposed to be making disciples in our secular workplaces, mm-hmm. in our governments, in our... And so this is something that I just believe. Like, this was just very black and white, prefunctory for me in ministry. And so these were all the things that I was doing. So I'm, I'm saying this to preface the fact that I wasn't some, like, anti-government right. rebel. Like, I was just waiting just, for Illinois to do the thing. It's like, oh, so now I here could, comes my chance. Right, yeah. Come on, bring it, Pritzker. I've been waiting for you. Like, that's not me. We were just doing our own thing, building a covenant community, trying to— You were just uh, being faithful. Trying to honor God and, yep. and do what he put in the vision of our heart. Now, 
my minor when I was in secular college, my minor was in U.S. history, and so I had know a ton about the U.S. history. And the founding fathers always were inspirational to me because these were people that had a Judeo-Christian basis. They had they had biblical ethics and morality as the as the pillars of who they were. Our society had the same thing, and I get it. They weren't all you know raging Christians and all that kind of stuff. So people. People want to argue about this all day long, but you cannot get away from you read their writings, you look at the the fruits of their lives, and these were people that were way more impacted by biblical culture than the average person is today, especially our average politician. And so they were always people that inspired me. So I've always been a founding documents guy, a founding fathers guy, and I've, they've always kind of inspired me with some of the things they've done. And I've known the Constitution. In fact, my ministry, I've got a side ministry, Steve Castle Ministries, and my ministry will send a free pocket Constitution to anybody that asks. You go on my website, you go to stevecastle.com, and you say, I want a free pocket Constitution. We mail it to you for free. And I mean for free. Like, you don't pay for nothing. It just shows up at your door, and I give you a pocket Constitution. Because I think these documents are some of the most important things penned by human hand outside of the Scriptures themselves. And people don't know, if you don't know your heritage, if you don't know your history, and if you don't know what you've been redeemed from, you are likely to be entrapped by it once again. And obviously, you can look around our world today and find out it's not that easy to take freedoms from people who didn't know that they had freedoms to begin with. And so I'm just plugging along. Kay and I are just building the church and and fighting demons and healing marriages and laying hands on the sick and just doing all that authentic community, sacred, covenantal living stuff. And here comes 2020. Now, to be fair, I'm one of those guys that has developed uh, discernment as it relates to things going on in the world. I kind of keep my ear to the ground. I think it's important to be informed. And so I know about all the about all the attempts before. I, I'm, I'm hip to the jive of the 9-11 stuff. I'm, I'm aware of JFK and all the lies. I'm aware of the, of the lack of weapons of mass destruction and desert storm. I, like, I'm very aware that our world is led by a bunch of evil people that want everybody dead and want to enslave the world. There's spiritual forces, whether people want to admit it or not, there's spiritual forces. There is good and evil that's warring, whether you're aware of it, whether you like it, whether you acknowledge it, whether you engage with it, it's happening. And so I've always been aware of that. And so when I seen this thing come, I'm like, we're, they're gonna give us a pandemic again. Because there's, there's been other times that they've tried this and it didn't. That was their intention with AIDS. It was their intent. I mean, there's, there's been multiple attempts at this, but the people of the world just weren't primed. They weren't, they weren't at that stage to where they could really pull it off. Mm-hmm. And I really thought when this thing came down that this was going to be another one of them. Like, they're, they're going to try again. I even preached it. I'm like, they're going to try again. This is what it, they're calling it now, the corona. This is back when it was coronavirus. They're going to have a coronavirus. They're going to try again. Just FYI, it's not going to work. And then it worked. Mm. And I was like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. And I had realized that our world was primed to be taken captive. Yeah. And it broke my heart. It totally broke my heart, because especially in America, because this is the land of the free and the home of the brave, right? We ain't got neither. Mm-hmm. You, you, you could not name. I just did a series at our church 
that's uh, like 20, 29 messages on becoming a hero. And I would say all the time, like, name one person you know that you that's actually a living person that you would actually call a hero. And I cannot tell you there I have there's very few people that could actually name one, which means that the only heroes that are in our society are cartoons. Why do you think like uh, all of these movies about superheroes and and the comics and DC and all this kind of Disney? Why do you think these these movies are explosive, like hundreds of millions of dollars that they'll make like on opening day because people are so desperately in need of a hero that they'll either they'll literally flock to fake hero in the absence of real hero. Our world is desperately, desperately short of heroes, and. The, the reality of us being at one point in our, in our nation's history, the land of the free and the home of the brave, just was ingrained in me. So when this thing came along, I'm like, there's no way they're pulling this off. Right. There's no way that you're going to scare the entire world with a bad cold. No way. And then it happened. So I'm like, well, whatever. I'm not, pray- I'm not playing their reindeer games. This is, this is the Lord Jesus Christ's church. This is not Pritzker's church. And that's the definition of a state-run church. A state-run church is you have a church that does what the state says. A Christ-run church is a church that does what Christ wants him to do. And I was shocked when they said we're shutting down the churches. I was shocked that there was one church that complied let alone the entire nation all together in solidarity said, yep, Romans 13, do what the government tells you to yeah. do. I was, I, I literally was beside myself with disbelief that this was actually happening. I felt like I was being gaslit the entire time. Everyone's <laughs> just like, Romans 13, yes, we're going to be closing down. And I'm thinking to myself, but we're not supposed to neglect the gathering of the brethren. What are we doing? Why are we following? This guy's a liberal. He wants to kill babies. Why are we listening to him? <laughs> It, and it wasn't just Pritzker. I mean, like, this was universal. Like, yeah. This was even in some of the red states. You yeah. Know? And, I, and I can't tell you, I got, okay, so we stayed open because I'm not playing the reindeer games. Like, I, this is the Lord's Church. We're going to do what we're going to do. That, whatever. They want to do their thing and they want to hide from an invisible virus. I have an invisible spirit of God that Amen. says that by my stripes you're healed. I have Psalm 91. I, you know, I, there's a lot going on in our environment that we're not, that's not going to make us play all their games. And so we just stayed open. Now, to be fair, I wasn't some defiant dude. I wasn't, you know, like on the radio, like stupid government, you suck. And we're going to do it. You were just open. I was just, we were just open. We were just having church. And I just told all our people like, Hey, you know, at beloved church, we believe in laying hands on the sick. We believe that if you call for the elders of the church and they anoint you with oil, that you will be healed. And we've seen thousands of people here. We've seen that in blind eyes open and deaf ears open. And I'm not touting that stuff like we're super awesome people. I'm just saying we believe in the Bible. We believe in the love part of the Bible. Well, we believe in the in the supernatural part of the Bible. You can't you can't throw one part out and keep the other part. And so I just told people I'm like you don't have to come to church. I never and I've never required anybody to go to church. Like, you don't have to come if you're scared. Stay home. I said, but just so you know, it's an invisible virus. And if you're scared, which gives it permission, you're not going to be safe at your house. <laughs> like if, if, if you think it can only get you when you go to church, like, come on. And they, they literally 
projected this. Well, the virus can't get you at Walmart, but it can get you if you buy clothes downtown at your clothing retailer. So we need yeah. to shut down the the personally owned clothing retailer, the sole proprietor there, but we can leave Walmart open because the virus knows like, nope, I can't go into a Walmart, but yeah. I can go into the clothing retailer. And there was people that believed this stuff. And, and you guys all know this. And I just didn't play the games. So we just stayed open. What happened was the second Sunday after they shut down the church, you know, two weeks to slow the spread. Mm-hmm. On the second Sunday, um, a bunch of people found out that we were open. And so they showed up from everywhere. So we had about we had about 150 people in our church that seats 170. Wow. <laughs> and they were like getting it. Like we were having church. And what happened was a bunch of them were taking Facebook Live videos and sending pictures like, ha ha, I'm at church and all you suckers are not at church. (laughs) And I didn't know this was going on. And so what happened is, you know, after church, you know, a couple hours after church, like this thing exploded. It went viral all over our region. Like that terrible Steve Gassel, that evil super spreader. He's trying to kill our community by having his church open. Your grandma's going to die. Yeah. And people are driving from an hour away to come to his church and they're going to spread it all over, you know, on the gas pump and we're all going to (laughs) die because of Steve Gassel. And so it exploded. Tens of thousands of people just attacked us. They, they basically came after our Facebook, our website and everything. And it went viral in a minute. So the next Sunday, it was war. We had protesters. We had all the kinds of stuff. Then we had people showing up for the wrong reason, like they're the, you know, the anti-government people showing up. We're gonna go show. I'm like, this is not what we're called. To, we are called to be a New Testament ecclesia. And so, that next Monday, I get a call from uh, our state's attorney who says, Steve, and he was a friend of mine because we served together as elected officials. Steve, are you having church? Uh, Yes, sir, I'm having church. It's like, you know, that's not supposed to be happening. I'm like, I get it, bro, I get it. I I understand. I said, but I have two problems. The first problem is Hebrews 10.25, forsake not the assembly. The second problem is the First Amendment where the government never, ever, ever, ever has a right to tell me how to do church, ever. The first clause of the First Amendment, and I told this, who's the state's attorney? I said, bro, it's the first clause of the First Amendment, of the Bill of Rights. If that falls, we're all done. And he's like, I, I get it, Steve. I said, but you need to understand, you know, this is bigger than me. And he basically let me know that it wasn't necessarily him. It was the forces above him that was making the call. And I said, I get it. And we spent about an hour and a half on the phone. And I said, the end result is I have to have the Lord's building open to, to minister to the Lord's people. I cannot shut it down because Pritzker wants me to. That's what I have to do. And he's like, I get it, but I might have to do stuff too. So on Wednesday, I got my cease and desist. Wow. Stop it or... Uh, we'll it make was, you stop. It was it was two years in jail and wow. whatever numbers of fines, dollars of fines. And so I called the board. I said, hey, got my letter. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> got my letter. <laughs> got my letter. <laughs> Woo! And, they weren't uh, lying. And the board said, well, you know, what are we doing? I said, well, I... I cannot get away from the fact that I've got Hebrews 1025. 
I've got the First Amendment, so I'm covered on both sides. And I have no peace whatsoever from the head of the church that we are supposed to be playing these reindeer games. And they all said, all right, pastor, we're with you. Do what you got to do. I said, all right. I said, I'm, we're having church on Sunday. I'll just let everybody know. FYI, they probably could come and arrest me based upon this letter. If you don't want to come to church and potentially put yourself into either watching me get arrested or maybe even arresting you because you're a, a lawbreaker too, you evil churchgoer. I said, so you might want to consider that. And to be fair, not very many people, you know, took me up on my offer and we just had church. And the whole time I was waiting for him to come in the back door and had to take that evil Steve Castle away. And they never did. The next week I had another conversation with the state's attorney and he was convinced that if we did it again, that it was going down. And he did everything he could to try to talk me out of it. Like, can you can you just do, you know, a smaller gathering and maybe do, you know, 15 people at a time? He's like, I wouldn't even mess with you for 15. It's only supposed to be 10. <laughs> right. And I, and I even said that to him. I said, so I can have 10 people in the building, but not 15. And he's like, yeah. I said, so what's the magic number that the virus is like, ha ha, <laughs> they have 11. I can go there now. You know, like, and he's like, I get it, Steve. I said, but this is just what we're doing. And they're doing the best they can. And it's you gotta so follow arbitrary. The <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so we didn't. So I had church again. And then this time we were, the front of our church was filled with the video cameras. You know, we had. Fox and ABC and NBC and and people are having their names plastered all over uh, regional media and all your that congregations kind of names. Our congregation oh and they're and they're interviewing people and they're and they're lying and and making stuff up and um, Pritzker actually called me out in one of his you know weekly. Remember when they were doing? Oh the, yeah. This is how many people that died and. Uh, <laughs> And so he was doing one of his, his press conferences, and he called out that evil pastor in, in Lena, Illinois, that was doing the super spreader and going to be killing all the neighbors and all that kind of stuff. And so then it just exploded. Mm. And uh, at that point, I knew, like, we were done, that we were going down. And so I did everything I could to find an attorney. And just so you know, all of these uh, pro-Christian, pro-constitutional law firms and attorneys that are out there now, that are touting their strength, they were nowhere to be found wow. in 2020. I talked to about 20 different law firms. I'm not naming names. I'm not going to do it. But I called every one of them that had all their huge millions of dollars, you know, uh, publicly proclaiming they defend churches and they defend uh, conservatism. They defend constitutional rights. And they they none of them wanted to defend a pastor on Hebrews 1025 and the First Amendment. Wow. So I was convinced that that was it. Because they were, it was, the writing on the wall was there. It was clear. And they were coming to arrest Steve Castle. If I went to church again and I didn't have something. And so I showed up that next Sunday. And at this time, like all the fun had wore off. And now it was real. I mean, people are getting their faces plastered on media and all this kind of stuff. And people are being attacked. There's people that lost their jobs. There are people that were fired by people. You're going to that church with that pastor. You're an evil person. You're trying to kill people. You're fired. They literally wow. fired people in our congregation. I lost, At this point, we were in the decline of losing about a third of our congregation. I lost half my board and half my staff. Wow. Oh, no. All these people that were like, we'll take a bullet for you, Pastor. Like when it got real, when it got raw, when it started to cost them personally, you 
there was a there was a huge trimming that took place. It was mm. the culling effect of what our world was doing. So wheat from the chaff. Yep. Uh, right in there, I finally found um, someone to defend me, which was hilarious because just in desperation, I called the Thomas More Society, which they're a law firm that's kind of famous for protecting sidewalk counselors, mm. people that go and protest against right, abortion clinics. Right. What in the world do they give a rip about? And, and they're Catholic. What in the world would they give a rip yeah. about a non-denominational Protestant church, a crazy pastor like me, who's who's like at war with the government? And just in desperation, I called him and I got the normal thing, which was, you know, the form letter. Thanks for reaching out. And we don't want nothing to do with you. And um, what happened was they actually had one of their secretaries call me back like, uh, Mr. Castle, uh, we got your your inquiry about having our legal services and uh and we're going to have an attorney call you. And I'm like, like wow. a real human? <laughs> like an actual attorney? And they're like, she's like, yeah. It's like, okay. So he, he called me. His name was Martin. And Martin called me. And, and he said, hey, Steve, this is Martin from Thomas More Society. I'm like, hey. He goes, you got five minutes to convince me that we should have something to do with your inquiry for legal protection. And, man, I'm a preacher. Yeah. I can't say my name in five minutes. No. <laughs> So I took off and, and true to form, like at exactly five minutes, he said, okay, thanks. Click. Whoa. And I literally remember I walked into the living room and I said, my, I told my wife, I said, well, your husband's going to jail. And she's like, well, you're a chaplain there for 10 years. You'll know everybody. Because I am. I'm a chaplain at a local jail. And she's like, you'll be right at home. She's like, you'll be fine. And I'm like, I know, but I'm going to miss you. She's like, yeah, it's fine. And in fact, one of our board members. Taking it better than you were. (laughs) One of our board members, when they quit, um, one of the reasons that they quit our board and got out of our church was because they just couldn't handle the pressure. And his wife literally looked at my wife in one of these meetings where they were quitting the church. And he said, what do you think your children would think about their father being arrested publicly and being dragged out of a church in a perp walk with handcuffs on? And my wife is not like some in your face, you know, Mm -hmm. she looked back at her and she squinted her eyes. She said, it would be the greatest honor of our family to see their daddy get arrested for the gospel. Amen. Wow. And I, man, okay. I sat there. I know. I sat there. I was like, whoo! That's, that's my wife right there. And I'm like, now I got to go to jail. <laughs> so, uh, so I walked back out and I'm like, baby, I'm going to jail. Like, that was it. That was the last straw. And the mm. dude just basically hung up on me. And she's like, well, she's like, God's will be done. Yeah. It's like, if, the, if you're supposed to go to jail to protect the church, she's like, who better? I'm like, all right. God bless you. Thanks for the warm fuzzies, woman. <laughs> She's like, ah, you'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you'll be good. I, you know, I'll be over here raising the kids and stuff. You'll be fine. They'll, they'll let you out eventually. Like, All right, baby, you love you. <laughs> so I'm like, that's it. I just, I just basically uh, had had gotten to the place where I'd realized that this was it. Like somebody had to go to jail for the church, and I just, I just thought. You know, by the time they start arresting pastors, eventually somebody will wake up. Yeah. You know, like, I, so I was actually fine with being arrested because I'm like, this will actually work to our benefit. Yeah. And so 
so I had called I called the remainder of our church, which at this point, you know, we had only about thirty people left because oh, wow. I mean it was they were leaving in an exodus, and the board was half the board was gone, half the staff was gone. It was just us, you know, our little our little sacred bunch, our little remnant bunch of people that were just really sold out. And I I let them all know I'm like, all right, this is it. This is the Sunday. You're gonna watch your pastor get arrested. Family's gonna be on the front row. That Monday morning after that service, which they didn't arrest me, I don't. I still to this day don't know why. One day I think I'll have some like state trooper come up and say, "Hey, let me tell you the backstory of stuff <laughs> you don't know." Um, they call me back. Thomas Moore called me back. Martin called me back. He said, "Hey, I had meetings with the which a bunch of the partners of the of the law firm. This is a massive, huge law firm. I had a meeting with a bunch of the partners, and something you said." just sparked something on the inside of me. I'm like, dude, what did I say? He's like, I don't remember. He's <laughs> like, five minutes. there's no time limit. Tell me why we should defend you. Tell me why you, uh, against every other pastor, every other pastor just shut down their church, every other pastor is complying, every other pastor is playing all the games. Why are you not? Why are you? And you? there's no time limit. Talk all you want. And after two hours of talking to Martin and explaining to him, which he didn't even know some of the constitutional things that I was standing on. Wow. And, and it's not, I'm not saying that in any way to, to say that he wasn't a good lawyer. He was an incredible attorney. But what happens is, is that when you get deep into like the law world, you get away from just the simplicity. It's yeah. just like you when can't people see the forest get into for the trees. Yep. It's like when people get into Christianity and they make it about these 700 things and they forget the simplicity that is in God. And that's what Paul said. I fear lest like Eve was defiled by, by, the, by the enemy, by his deception, that you would be defiled from the simplicity that is in the gospel. And I think when I was talking to Martin that he was like, oh my gosh, like we forgot this really important context of what it is to be an American protected by the Constitution. And Martin became like my advocate. He went to the partners of the law firm. This is a massive law firm. And he said, we're defending this guy. We are going to back Steve Castle. And if he goes to jail, he's going to jail with us as his attorneys. And they did. And they backed us. So we filed a lawsuit. So at that point, I was kind of like, quote, unquote, protected a little bit. So we filed a lawsuit against uh, Governor Pritzker and against the state of Illinois and against all the people that led to Governor Pritzker. And, and it eventually turned into a federal case. And so and, it, and long, 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 long story short is eventually our case got conjoined to a bunch of the other more famous cases from these really rich, big, huge church people, you know, like the California guys and then, you know, that have big names, you know, Steve is a nobody uh, out in the cornfields of Illinois and they got big names and big lawyers and lots of money. And so our little bitty case got kind of eventually conjoined to theirs. And then eventually the Supreme Court said, yep, First Amendment says, leave the church alone. That's what it says. That's what it says. And so we opened up every church in all of America because I started this pushback against the government. So I was the first pastor in the nation to push back and say, no, government, you're not allowed to touch the ecclesia. And eventually, obviously, we gained a ton of momentum. We, uh, we gained room in the courtroom of public opinion, which was very important because public opinion was against me. And then eventually you'd start swaying the public and then eventually you got to the Supreme Court. So that was, that's the quick version of the story. 
that I just the reason so the reason I did it that was your that was your uh, prefacing question the reason I did it was because I just believed in the church I just believed that the church was essential and not just essential but the church is the thing that is going to rescue this world from the darkness that is trying to be released from the gates of hell against it if we don't have the church if we don't have the gathering together of the saints if we don't have that that authentic face-to-face hand-to-hand eyeball-to-eyeball version of christianity then we've got nothing mm-hmm. and all we've got is an idea right. and ideas do not change the world it's people filled with power that changed the world and so all the churches were open and every once in a while i'm the capitulatory preacher that gets invited to the crazy freedom rally or something like that and so i'll preach to these to these people at these freedom rallies that are all like yeah you know patriots and and i'll say you know i fought for the church how many of you were at church on sunday and a bunch of them you know like but we're we're conservatives yep. and we're patriots and we're okay. I know exactly but the crowd you, you're talking about. But are you doing what needs to be done in order for us to actually impact this nation? They don't give a rip that you're having a freedom conference. Mm-mm. They don't care that you vote. Nope. They'll just change the votes. We mm-hmm. learned that in 2020. But the, none of that stuff scares them. But when you start walking around with the character and the power of God in your life, your heart, your family, man, that right there makes the devil wet all of his diapers. And that is the thing that we have not been doing for any length of time. We've given the enemy nothing to be concerned about. And it's time for us to start making the enemy be concerned once again. Amen. And just what you were talking about, being scared of COVID. And when you look at church history, I mean, the church wouldn't have met until, what, 1850? If all we were concerned about was keeping everyone safe and healthy and strong and Martin Luther's so true congregation never would have met. Right. Um, the apostles never would have right. started churches and right. They were literally the being earth. picked up at church gatherings and being you know, in, in Roman days, yeah. most people don't know this, but the term Roman candle that we you know, we're mm-hmm. fully aware of in Fourth of July because we shoot them off. The term Roman candle came from what happened in those days, in the persecution days of the Christians in Rome, mm-hmm. which is where the elites, the politicians and the rich yeah. folks who were anti-Christ, they would go and get the Christians in their gatherings. They would kidnap them. They would bring them to their um, their alcohol-filled orgies, and they would impale them. They would impale them on a stake and plant them in their courtyards and douse them with oil and set them on fire. For human torches, yeah. And they would party and have drunken orgies underneath the light of the Roman candles of the burning Christians. It it hasn't been that long since, and in fact, in many places in the world, you confess Christ, it's a death sentence. Right. it's not that way in America. We can't even turn off the TV for Christ. We can't even stop. I mean, it's. I think it's 60% of every adult male is, has uh, porn in their life. We can't even shut off porn for Christ, let alone talk about getting, uh, uh, getting kidnapped and impaled and set on fire. The, the church of today does not have that, that same 
courage and boldness and strength and the grace of God that was on those people. What what you were just talking about, you know, that would Martin Luther, would those people, and you'll think about this, Jesus commanded his disciples, commanded his disciples to heal the lepers. Now, leprosy, unlike COVID, was 100% communicable and 100% deadly. If you got leprosy, you died, Mm -hmm. period. It wasn't .000, whatever they, the the number keeps changing. And Jesus commanded his disciples to heal the lepers, commanded them. And you got pastors today that are commanding their congregations to stay home because of a virus. Yeah. It is literally the opposite, literally the opposite. It could not be any more yeah. diverse or could divergent from what the Lord intended right. the church to be. We are supposed to be running into, the church should be running into a pandemic. And the church in 2020 ran away from the pandemic. Yeah. We exited the place of healing that we were required to have as the, as the Lord commanded us to be. And that's why the medical community took over. The savior of the world was the vaccine. Yeah. And now we're finding out what that did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anytime you go to the world to get salvation, guess what it does? It gives you, it gives you its version of salvation, which is slavery, death, destruction. Mm-hmm. They've come to kill, steal, and to destroy. Yeah. Jesus' redemption, Jesus' salvation is always a better choice. Amen. Yeah, I think if the Apostle Paul were alive today, the American church would be receiving a few letters. <laughs> yeah. Letter to the American church. Oh, yeah. Eric Metaxas's book. Yep. Plug that. <laughs> With that being said, let us firmly rely upon the protection of divine providence. As Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works, not forsaking our own assembly, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is self-evident.